Fellas, say goodbye to Chuck Sherman the boy. I am now a man. I highly recommend you join the club. We are doing the wild thing all night. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Sherman. Sherman, I could build this food. Is that all you gonna eat? General Sherman realized and understood the importance of house music. So, do you know anything about techno? No. Listen. Yeah, you know. Yo, yo, what's up, everyone? And welcome back to another brand new episode of Sherman the Booth. I'm, of course, your host, Sherm. Today is Wednesday, September 1st, 2021. Wait, 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 wait. It's really September 1st? Ah, sheesh. Well, just because summer's coming to a close doesn't mean that we're slowing down because we have a big interview for episode 176. I am so excited to have the incredibly talented DJ producer Kaysen on for 176. Nick is truly an awesome person, and we had a blast getting his full story in this one. In 176, we covered the bases, and we started by talking about his early inspirations and influences. Born and raised in Southern California, Kaysen was always immersed in music and art culture from a young age. Eventually, he was exposed to electronic music in high school and almost immediately wanted to get involved in the community. He bought his first mixer in college and started producing house music until he made the jump to pursuing music as more than a hobby. Kaysen was born. Also really enjoyed talking about his discography so far. Kaysen is a super dope producer and continues to evolve his sound by clocking hours in the studio every day. He's put out some incredible music, including two EPs called Groove on Display and Beliefs via Get Twisted, a poppin' remix of Will Taylor's The Way with John Summit via South of Saturn, and most recently another incredible remix of Eyes Everywhere and Dread MC's Tell Them via Rock Bottom Records, and I heard that shit go off in the club a few weeks ago. To put it simply, this guy is a certified hitmaker who's just getting started. We also had a great conversation talking about his role as A&R of Repopulate Mars and South of Saturn. Kaysen has been involved with these labels since the early days and has played an important role in the massive amount of growth and success over the years. We went deep and discussed his role as A&R and process for approving new music along with what they look for in new demos. Not only do they release incredible music, but they know how to throw a party. Mad love to Lee Foss and the gang. Kaysen was dropping knowledge bombs left and right throughout this interview, and I felt like I was talking to a lifelong friend the entire time. Straight up, this guy is the homie. Thank you so much for making some time to come on, and I can't wait to hang out with you in person soon, my man. Now let's get into it right now so you guys can hear his full story for yourselves. This is episode 176 with Kaysen. Ladies and gentlemen, hello, hello, and welcome to a very fucking special episode of Sherman the Booth. I am honored to be here today with Nick Summers, a.k.a. Kaysen. Kaysen, how the hell are you, my friend? I'm doing great, doing great. Happy to be here. How are you? I'm great, man. I'm fantastic. I'm so excited about this. Like I said, I've been doing my research on you for a while, and I've ended up down a few rabbit holes. And when I say I'm the biggest Kaysen fan in the world, I am. I, like, literally am. (laughs) I thought I was before... But there's something about when I listen to somebody's music that I'm going to interview, I like really listen to it. Like I put yeah. on the good headphones. I run through like the timeline of when you release music. And it's just so cool to see how far you've come really in a relatively short period of time. We were talking before we went online. The shit can take a long time to make it, whatever that even means. So right. congratulations to you on everything you've accomplished uh, so far. And the future is very bright for you, sir. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Thanks for taking a listen. 
Absolutely. I, I am a, I'm a huge fan. I'm a huge I, fan. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> but I, I get that though. The active listening versus like the, yeah. you know, passive listening. Yeah. I feel that for sure. As an ANR, I definitely feel that. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise oh, no. I'd be horrible on my job. <laughs> oh no. So you're saying some tracks maybe have gone through and you're like, nah, I didn't, I didn't actually hear anything there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause sometimes it's like, you know, listening to music when it's like a background versus like when you're, you know, really sitting there like yeah. focused, yeah. not checking Instagram and such. It's different. Oh, yeah, yeah, dude. I know the distractions as well. You got to sit there, focus, really, really listen. When I'm going hunting for music, I can't, dude, I, I can't even be stoned. Like I have to be like sober, like really just focused. sit in there. Where am I going? How am I doing this? Yeah. I dude, sometimes I'll even put my fucking earplugs in and put on some nice headphones and like really crank in and be like, I need to feel like I'm at the show right now. Like, yeah, yeah. Gonna just make it on the in. USB tonight. Exactly. Lock the door. Lock the door. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, there you it. go. There you go. Do not disturb. Hell yeah, man. So you're in you're in Los Angeles, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I live in Encino, based just outside of Los Angeles. Awesome, bro. You're so Cal guy though, till you die. Yeah, yeah. I was born and raised. I was born in Thousand. I don't know if. Well, you know, Southern California, but I was born in Thousand Oaks, mm -hmm. which is like an hour outside of L.A. Mm -hmm. Then I lived in Santa Barbara for a couple years. And then now I live in, you know, in L.A. So SoCal, wow. I've never lived anywhere else. Yeah. Is that where your family's from, too? Yes. Yeah. So all my family's out here and pretty much all my friends are out, well, more or less out here. So, yeah, I definitely think I'm staying here long term. You know, things can always change, but sure. I don't really see myself going elsewhere in the foreseeable future, I would say. Yeah, no, I understand that, man. I actually was born in Santa Monica. My mom and dad uh, were going to UCLA. And okay. shortly after I was born, maybe like eight to 10 months, but I've got a lot of family friends out there. And uh, Los Angeles has a very special place in my heart, man. It's an amazing city, so much diversity, so much culture. I don't have to tell you the music scene is incredible. Yeah, it's awesome. It's amazing. It's, it's a special place, man. Yeah. It's just like... It's just fucking cool, man. Your weather. I, don't get me started. I, I, what am I, I'm selling myself on LA right now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I think it might be time for you to come out here. <laughs> no, I'm going to stay in Chicago and tough through the winters like a Midwesterner. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. I'll be sitting here at 70 okay, degrees. <laughs> all right. Yeah, all right. Jesus Christ. I'm not going to win this battle, am I? <laughs> Nick, I always like to start off these interviews with, with a, a special question. And you've been back on the road playing a lot of shows and they've looked amazing. Uh, I'm surprised that I, this was not going to be the answer to your new track, but what song that you've been dropping in every single set that's maybe brand new or unreleased? Of my tracks or other people's tracks? Whatever track it is, whatever one that comes to your head. Um, I would say one track that's been the most impactful over the last few sets is mm -hmm. the, is one of my singles that's coming out in a couple months. Ooh. Uh, it's a, it's a single coming out with Dylan Nathaniel to collab. We have a couple tracks that we made, oh. but this one's coming out, I think in November. And this has been hands down the most impactful track that I've been dropping the best reaction, which wow. is amazing. Cause usually that my best reactions might not be my own tracks. So yeah. for this to be the best reaction in the last few months has been pretty awesome. Oh my gosh. There's nothing like it, right? Yeah. For sure. So that's been that's been good. As far as like tracks from other people, I'd say some of the tracks that Joshua has been putting out. Are you familiar yes. with Joshua? Yeah. Absolutely. So we're we have one of his tracks coming out of Repopulate Mars this Friday, but he has I have a bunch of his unreleased tracks and he's that guy is just on another level, to be honest. I'm a huge fan of his and I've been dropping his, you know, a few of his unreleased tracks and they're they go off. 
Oh my God. How's it been to be back playing live music again though? I know it's been a few months, but it's still probably pretty special. It feels amazing. It feels amazing. I mean, just, you know, after not playing any gigs for basically a year, you know, right. just playing live streams and such. Which did it, look fun though, by the way, a lot of those that you yeah. did. Yeah, the live streams are really cool. I played a few cool ones with Insomniac and Repopulate Mars and I enjoyed them. Like I had a lot of fun. It was a different experience, but sure. obviously, you know, playing, looking at cameras and stuff is, you know, totally different than playing to a crowd. And I knew that I missed it, but I didn't realize how much I actually missed it until yeah. I went back and played like my first club gig mm-hmm. after so long. And then once I got up on stage, I was playing, I was like, okay, <laughs> this is like, yeah, I, I remember how this felt. Crank that boot monitor a little bit, eh? A little redlining, a little redlining. <laughs> if you ain't redlining, you ain't headlining. You ain't headlining, dude. exactly. Fuck that shit, man. That's for the fucking amplifier to figure out. Let me pause that shit. <laughs> we got a sound tech for a reason. That's right, man. That's right. That's awesome. Yeah, sometimes you don't know what you got till it's gone. And I feel you on that, totally. right? Like, <clears throat> it was a slow burn over the pandemic for me. And uh, there were a lot of blessings in disguise. Obviously, there was, there was so much hurt and, and pain that went all over the world. But from a personal perspective, I was able to focus on music, the podcast, uh, grow my footprint, meet so many amazing people. We talked about DJ Susan, um, so many people like that. And I just am, am feeling really grateful, um, trying to look at things on the bright side. And that's why I'm excited to connect with you today, man, because you've come up so much in interviews, personal conversations. I mean, you're a G, bro. All bad, I'm sure. No, I'm just kidding. All bad. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck case. And that's what everybody says. This guy won't sign my fucking track. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that comes up occasionally, though. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Of course, man. But we yeah, man, a... that's awesome. <laughs> I've, yes. I've seen a bunch of the clips and I've, I've watched your, your interviews and stuff and the stuff you've done with Susan. You did something yeah. with Sid the other day, I think. And yeah, I've, dude. I've... Absolute G. I've tuned in and everything like that. So I was super stoked that you asked me to do it because I was kind of like, I'd, I'd love to get involved with that. But I was like, I'll wait, you know, if he asked me and then, you know, it worked out. Lo and behold, here we are. There right it now. goes. It was a great fit. <laughs> I have a process, man. I have a process. And, you do? Yeah, I absolutely. I'm not going to. I won't, I, won't, I was going to say, I won't ask you to reveal your secrets, but I'm sure I'll, you do. I'll, I'll tell you. I'll tell you one strategy I took actually over the last year is I made a list of 100 DJs and producers, no matter how big or small. Um, and you were on that list and I just started reaching out to people like one by one and not even being like immediately, Hey, do you want to come on the podcast? But I think, you know, probably just as well as anybody, how important relationships are in the music industry. We said before we went online, everything, the deeper you get, the smaller, it seems not smaller in the sense where it's like, Oh, there's only like five decision makers, but like this person knows this person, this person knows that person. And we're all friends, especially in the house music space, man. Like what an incredible scene behind the scenes yeah for sure it's an amazing community and like everybody knows each other and is connected in some way and Mm -hmm. it's awesome you know just to like you know build your you know relationships up with people because it's like yeah you meet people who you guys can help each other in the scene but it's also genuine friends you know that you actually grow like an actual bond with beyond business which is awesome i mean some of my best friends that are besides you know take music out of the equation i've met through the music industry which is amazing couldn't agree more. And yeah, I don't know about you, but I, you know, I grew up in a small town in Indiana, man, and there wasn't a lot of DJs and producers and people who liked electronic music. And I had a lot of good friends back then and they're still good friends, but it wasn't until I came to Chicago and I connected with people that were pursuing this as a passion and they wanted to make it their long-term goal. I was like, right. Hey, me too. We have a lot yeah. in common, but yeah. more than just music, it's like 
somebody just said to me recently, it's not the pursuit of happiness. It's the happiness of the pursuit. And I see that. That's good. So I haven't I heard that. I like that. Isn't that really good? Yeah. That's and good. I was like, that's exactly how I feel about house music and just like enjoying it and going to the shows, being a fan first. Right. And yeah, that's very I mean, important. Very important. Very important. And, and yeah. that's really the most fun part to me is um, I'm not the guy who's necessarily sure. I like being backstage and drinking from the bottle of 1942, but I do like going to <laughs> and supporting the homies and just like for being, sure being a fan and being a fan is what maybe want to be a DJ. So I don't Same. know if that resonates with you. Yeah. It hundred percent resonates with me. Absolutely. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. yeah. I like really liking it and really liking, you know, house music and, you know, the culture and everything is super important because it's like at the end of the day, you know, everybody's in it for different reasons or whatever, but mm -hmm. you're going to enjoy the ride the most. If you really actually enjoy what you're doing and enjoy the music, like if you're just doing it cause you want to be famous or make money, I mean, yep. you could still be successful. You yeah. know what I mean? I'm not saying you can't, but it's, yeah. you know, you're never really going to get the full fulfillment out of it. If that's your main goal. Well said, I was going to yeah. say the word is fulfillment, having success yeah. on Instagram or on the charts or on the stage. How many artists have you seen or heard of that? they're huge, they're massive, right? But then they're alone in the green room and they travel alone and there's no one there with them. And that's sad life, man. Like that is very sad, but very true. It's very true. It's the harsh yeah. truth. And I don't see that in the house community. I don't really hear of it in the house commu music community, I should say. So not as much for sure. Not as much for sure. Yeah, I would say. Yeah. Love that though. I mean, Los Angeles must've been a pretty fucking awesome place to grow up though. Like what was it like growing up in LA and the electronic music scene? When did you even get into dance music? Yeah. So I, as I, I grew up in Thousand Oaks, which is just outside of Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. um, I, I was really, so my first kind of steps into the music scene was I was really into like rock and like, you know, alternative rock and stuff. So I started mm -hmm. going to like, you ever heard Warp Tour before? Yeah. Yeah. So I started going to Warp Tour and those kind of things when I was like, honestly, probably too young to be going to those things, like 12, <laughs> 13 years old. You had cool I think I, then. <laughs> yeah, no, they were super cool. And I think I crowd surfed for the first time when I was like 13 years old. <laughs> Shit. It's pretty crazy now thinking about it like as an adult. But uh -huh. so, yeah, I started going to those and then I got really into hip hop. So I started and I'm still really into hip hop. Me too. I got really into that. And then probably when I was in high school, I started getting really into electronic music. Mm -hmm. And then I started going to events when I was probably like 17 and, mm -hmm. you know, insomniac events and stuff like that. Yeah. And then that that res electronic music resonated with me more than any type of music has, you know, more than hip hop, more than anything. Yeah. And that's still true to this day, obviously. And so then, yeah, I just kind of, I was going to events, getting into it. And then I was like, Hey, I want to, you know, maybe get more involved in this. And then uh -huh. I started DJing and then kind of went from there. The rest was history. What was your first mixer that you got? My first mixer, it was a tractor S4. Oh, the S4. That's what S4. I had too, actually. Yeah, we were spoiled. Really? Huh? Yeah. 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 So it's pretty decent. Yeah. Tractor S4. I was in, I think I was, yeah, I was in college when I got it. I was in, I'm not going to say sophomore in college, freshman. I was in college when I got it. Right. And for the first year or so of having it, having it I was just DJing in my room, you know, just like to nobody Bedroom or to festival. friends. <laughs> yeah. To, yeah. To friends or whatever. And then I played my first event in 2014 or 2015, I want to say. And mm -hmm. it was like a desert, it was like a desert festival of like a small desert, like not like a festival. It was a small desert event. I don't know if festivals are. Perfect, I know. <laughs> it was like a desert event and it went really well, actually. It was a lot of fun. And yeah. then 
from there, I just played a bunch of stuff when I was, I went to college at UCSB in Santa Barbara. Oh man, that's amazing. So I started playing a bunch of, you know, just parties and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And it was actually funny because back then I was still spinning like house music, like deep house and some tech house and stuff. And I was one of the only DJs in Santa Barbara who was playing that style of music. Yeah, I bet. No, I won't say the only one. I'm not going to say I'm the only one, but I was one of the only ones. Yeah. Which was interesting because I would play these parties and, you know, people were spitting, you know, trap, Flostradamus, you know, like RL Grime, a bunch of hip hop. So I kind of stuck out a little bit, but people liked it though. People dug it. Danceable. UC UC Santa Barbara is a really pretty lively scene. Is What's their EOS lounge? EOS Lounge, yeah, EOS. I've played there. EOS. The, yeah, some people say EOS, EOS. I don't know if there's really a wrong or right way. <laughs> okay. But um, exactly. yeah, that's actually the first first club I've ever played at. Oh, shit, man. I Because I was traveling uh, up uh, Pacific Coast Highway from Los Angeles all the way to San Francisco, and we stopped at Santa Barbara for a night. And I don't know, I just happened to be there on a popping night, and I was like, this. I thought this was a chill beach town. And it is, but like, there's a lively music scene there what was it yeah. like in college like you tasted success then pretty early on got the bug yeah yeah so as i said in college i was mostly you know for the i was beginning to just play a bunch of parties and stuff and then yeah. i got they hit me up to play there at eo so that was like my first club gig and like i played like parties with a bunch of people and you know little events here and there but i was it was funny because that was actually the first time i had ever used cdjs ever how'd it go it, it was in a club it went pretty well Honestly, I was pretty, I went pretty heavy on the YouTube tutorials before. (laughs) And I was like, honestly, I was, I was such like a nervous wreck showing up there. It was like this daytime, like event at EOS. And the most nerve wracking part was, I think it was seven lions, you know, seven lions. Yeah, of course. He was there and he like was watching my set (laughs) and it was my first time playing on CDJs. And I was like, this is just... It was bad. It went. The thing is, though, it went well, though. Like, actually, I'm not going to say it went bad. It went well. It went fine, but it was, yeah. I was sweating bullets. Yeah. You weren't going crazy in the effects. You were just beat matching, being just absolute fundamentalist. Simple. Just trying to, just trying to get to the finish line. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I love that. I had a similar experience, too. I was, uh, I went to IU, Indiana University, which is a okay. big school, and we brought DJs in there. And that's when I started DJing. The first time I ever played on CDJs, I think I was opening up for Blau. Oh. And I was like, yeah and he was like setting up his ableton equipment as like i'm playing and i'm just like there's a lot of people here uh shit's real but i'm gonna get to the finish line just like you said so i had a experience yeah (laughs) yeah it's scary it's scary but everybody i feel like that's part of you know coming up and being a dj is you're gonna have those experiences where you're way outside of your comfort zone and i would say like growth starts where your comfort zone ends zone ends so it's like like I feel like when you step out of your comfort zone and do those things that make you the most nervous, that's usually when you'll grow the most as, you know, as a person, but as a musician, especially. Absolutely. You have to put yourself yeah. in those situations. I think it's mature enough to even know what your comfort zone is. And then knowing that if I do this, if I jump off this ledge, like, you know what? I gave it a shot. And that's, that's what life's all about. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. So you were yeah. definitely DJing though, before you started producing, when did you actually start producing? Like, were you already case in at this point? So I started dabbling in production in college as well. Okay. And I was kind of like really not, I don't know. I didn't know a lot. I was just self-taught. 
Mm-hmm. And I was in FL studio for a while, just making really simple kind of <laughs> house too, music. Dude. Yeah. We have a, we have a similar upbringing. It's a pretty yeah. program. It was fun. I was like, boop, yeah, boop, boop, boop. it was good. It was good. I enjoyed yeah. it. And then I got Ableton in college. I dabbled in Ableton. I think I released like a few SoundCloud tracks, but I didn't start seriously producing music until I graduated college. Okay. And then once I graduated college, I was like, okay, I'm actually going to like try to actually learn the fundamentals and take this more seriously. Right. And then, that's when I started seriously producing music. And then there was a couple year gap. And then I started really releasing, you know, stuff that I'm proud of. So what year was your first release? Cause you know, I try to do my digging here, man. I went SoundCloud mining. I found 2018 on Laza. Was that your first release in 2018? That, that was not my first release. My first release on SoundCloud was like 2016, I okay. want to say. Is it but it's on private? Is it out it, there? Still? I think it, I think it's gone. I think it's no, no longer available. <laughs> At least no longer Bill. It's just, I don't know. It's just, I understand. I've got shit on private too, my man. Yeah. So there's like my first couple tracks that the real, like people who have been with me since day one, they know them. And like, sometimes my friends will still throw them on and stuff, which I hate. <laughs> I love it. There, That's a good friend. Yeah. Cause I'm just sitting there like, this is the most garbage mixed down I've ever heard in my entire life. But yeah, there's like, my first release was probably like 2016, 2015. Mm-hmm. The first couple are private, but then the stuff you can find online is the stuff where I think it's like, okay, I can leave this up. Right. Where you started taking it seriously. Exactly. So would you say around 2017, 2018 is when you decided to turn this hobby into a passion and a potential career? I would say so. That's when I started kind of really, you know, cause I was after college, I was, you know, kept DJing and kept DJing. I was playing clubs and stuff Mm -hmm. just here and there. I wasn't getting booked all over the place, but I was kind of like, you know, I'm going to see what can happen. I'm going to see if I can, you know, take this production thing a little bit more seriously and see what happens. And I'm glad I did, you know, things are finally, I feel like just now starting to really pan out production wise for me. So I'm stoked. Definitely, man. Seriously. It it was so cool running through all your tracks. Like, and I got to say, I mean, even even in the 2018s, man, like pretty, pretty good stuff. I mean, you at least had a a very good foundation of track uh, layout. and, And honestly, I would call it track management. Like you have you don't follow this template, Nick, but you have a really, really, I would say wise way about going about your productions. I've listened to a lot of fucking house music, man. You know, right. this is episode 176, I think. Right? Jesus. So I've had at least a hundred, at least a hundred house producers on here. And I've listened to a fuck ton of tracks. I can only imagine. I can only so, imagine. I should probably be an A&R too. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Hey, maybe that's the next step. I would love that actually. But like, when I listen to your tracks, I don't know. I kind of, I, I hear it from a different perspective, you know, producer to producer. I think about maybe how you would have laid these tracks out. And that's why I'm so excited to run through these with you, man, because you've been really crushing it. And it's just cool to see someone like you continue to pursue and get better and better and raise the bar. Collaborations, remixes, originals. Congratulations to you, man. Like seriously, very, very special producer. I appreciate that. I really, really do. Yeah, I got your Thank back, you. bro. But the, the 2018 feeling so good and like to party. Let's check out one of Kazen's first label releases. This one's called Like to Party off Laza.
start to we start to already kind of get like this tech house vibe that you have the mover in the groover bro i mean did you have any mentors during this time in 2018 like what what really took you to that next level was it youtube university was it just your own willpower i would say it's my own willpower and YouTube university, I would say. I never went yep. to school for music or anything. And okay, there's definitely people who have taught me stuff along the way. But sure. if I'm being honest, I would say the majority of my production and mixed down knowledge I've self-taught, mm-hmm. which is not, I'm not even trying to say that in like a, you know, like, oh, a stunting way. I think, to be honest with you, if I could go back in time, I would probably have asked for more help from other yeah. people because I sure. would have learned a little bit quicker. Right. But I am mostly self-taught and about that time is, yeah, is when I was really diving into tech house. And that's about when Latman was really blowing up and yeah. stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was like a huge Latman fan. I'm, I'm lucky to call him one of my good friends now, but I was a huge Latman fan. So that was kind of when I was starting to like pivot more towards that, like tech he, house. Real quick. He's like the nicest guy ever. Joe Bradley, right? That's his name. Joe. Yeah. Holy. Absolute. I talked to him on Holy ship. Thought I was going to be two minutes. Talked to him for 30 minutes. I was like walking away like that is the fucking one of the best yeah. guys I've ever met in general. He's one of the most genuine people I've met in the industry. I would say he's just I because I've seen the way he talks to whether it's a fan or somebody in the music industry or yeah. a, a big person in the music industry. And it's pretty much the same across the board, oh, which is that. important because if somebody if you're a player in the industry or, you're, you know, you're like, you know, you work for a label or you own a label or you're a big DJ people are going to, you know, be nice to you a lot of the time, yeah. but then like how they, how they talk to people who are below them, like, you know, fans or I'm not, I'm not saying you're below, but I'm saying like, I've seen him, I've seen him talk to random fans where it's like, they don't have anything really to offer him. And it, it, he talks, you know, just as nice. So he's just a genuinely good guy. And I, yeah. I luckily I've met a lot of people like that in the industry, which is, those are the people you want to hang around and keep around. So true. He, he makes it like people like that, sometimes you think they're so far away, they're not reachable, but like seeing his success and meeting him makes it tangible. You know what I mean? Like a hundred percent. That's a normal, good guy. Like, yeah. I think I'm a normal, good guy too. Maybe I can do this as well. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. The, the normal good guys is like, those are the people you want to, you know, keep around and go to for advice and stuff. Cause they're the people who will, you know, really try to steer you in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's funny you bring him up because your hood politics wait on night EP in 2019. Like I've had all yeah. the hood politics guys on the show before and more than friends. Uh, Michael Clementi is a big Latman fan. And yeah. during this time they had a real, like hood politics has a certain sound, but they're not boxing, you know, to parallel to where we populate Mars South of Saturn. There is a story we're trying to tell here, but it's not like every single track is the same, not to maybe right. call out another label that releases the same song, do what you're going to do. No, I know. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. But this EP dude, like, Laza and then all of a sudden this fucking fire ass EP comes out three absolute bangers DJ Susan says it himself no B sides certainly no C sides here Nick like let's check out my favorite track from the wait all night EP off hood politics records this one's called wait one was so special and i mean how did it feel just like this is this was an up-and-coming label still label still at this point yeah but 
distribution, the relationship must have meant something important to you, right? No, it was great because that was my that was my first official release as far as like on Spotify, Apple Music, nice. Beatport, and such. Right, and it definitely got me a really good taste for like it, it left a good taste in my mouth for the music industry. I would say because yeah. the hood politics guys and DJ Susan and Nutty and all them are like you know I mean I don't have to tell you they're some of the nicest most genuine yeah. guys you'll ever meet. Absolutely. So you know, for them to like, for them to sign my music and then they put me on some shows and then for me to finally meet them and stuff and hang with them was just, was awesome. And it was great. And I haven't released with them since then, but I definitely want to change that, you know, hopefully soon because they're just, they're great guys. And like, anytime I connect with them, it's like old friends. So yeah, yeah, I was really happy with that EP. It was like my first official release and it felt good. It was received well. So I was really stoked on it. Yeah, it was awesome, man. And, and three tracks, you know, they, a lot of uh, DJs don't put out three tracks. I mean, let alone albums, let alone more than two tracks. And yeah. it was just really cool to see. Like, I don't know. I kind of felt the energy like you were ready to fucking release some music because there's a good pace you have on these tracks. So it was a little bit quicker compared to maybe the Laza releases, at least. And it just was well done overall, man. So I just want to. I appreciate that. Yeah, it yeah. Sticks out in the Hood Poly discography, in my opinion. I'm, sto- I'm, I'm glad you say that. Yeah, I'm stoked on them. It's like, I feel like. It's funny because it's like that was 2019, which is not that long ago, but I feel like I've grown <laughs> a trillion since then. So it's like it's it's funny to even like think about those tracks. I haven't heard them in a while. I don't yeah. I admittedly don't play them anymore, but That's I still okay. am really proud of them. I understand. Sure. I understand that 2019 does seem like a long time ago, but it really wasn't. It's really not. It's it's I have to remind myself of that sometimes because it's like yeah. I also feel like over the with the events of the last year and a half, I feel like I know for me speaking for myself my whole look on time and stuff is totally warped you know it's totally <laughs> so messed true. up so true concept yeah. of time is means something much different to me it also if you flip it it's like inspiring in a sense that in a, in a year or two so much can happen a hundred percent a hundred percent but for sure like you said before we went online man you're not an overnight success you're 10 years in the making success yeah exactly and that's how it is like a lot of times there's like a lot of you know you might not get noticed to the general public for until a certain point but a lot of times there's there's a lot of work that goes before that absolutely most of the time nine times out of ten i'd say nine times out of ten for sure i think that's pretty i think that's pretty good statistic it's pretty accurate i would say you know i'm a statistician (laughs) on the side so that's that's pretty accurate (laughs) love it brother so i want to ask you about your understated recordings release take me I think this is one of your most underrated tracks. And look, we're going back in this discography right now. I don't know if you play this track anymore, bro, but I hadn't heard this one until like last week. I immediately downloaded that shit because I love like, <clears throat> let me think how to phrase this question. When producers like you who buy the books, maybe are a tech house producer, really throw in different elements, new disco, disco, house, tech house. And this track has it all, man, all over this dope rolling bass line. And that's why I think it's so cool because when I go forward in time to where you're at now, I don't know if you draw elements or inspiration from the track, but I really think you stood out with such a unique sound in this one. What was this track like for you? What were you inspired by? Man, I'm trying to like think back to making that track because yet again, it seems like so long ago, but it wasn't. It was like two and a half years ago. I understand. Um, I just think that like the vocal, the take me, the the little, the vocal, I just kind of started with that. 
And then I know I wanted to make like a, like kind of a groovy rolly baseline with it. Yep. I'm like trying to remember how it sounds to be honest. It's funny. Cause one of my friends actually just like, we were talking about your friends playing old tracks. One yeah. of my friends was actually just over at my house and he, he was DJing and he dropped it. And it was like the first time I had heard it in like six months or longer. <laughs> I was like, Oh, this is my song. Huh? I know this song. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I, it was just, it kind of just came really naturally and fluidly. And I feel like it was a good follow-up to the to the Hood Politics release. Yeah. And it was cool because understated, those understated, I, I love the understated guys and they're they're just an awesome team. And mm-hmm. it's definitely different than what they normally release because they're kind of, they kind of go all over the place too with their sound. Mm-hmm. And it was definitely more of a tech house track, but they really liked it. And, you know, they took a chance with it and it was well-received too. So I, I was really happy with that one. Yeah, I, I think it's a great track. And it's funny to fast forward to now. That's why I brought it up. Body Moves uh, with, is it Aaliyah Solomon? Am I saying that? Like- Aaliyah Solomon, yeah. I mean, this is like a steroid version of that, bro. Like, it, yeah. it's got that new <laughs> disco groove. It's really cool. The vocals are awesome. Let's check out this absolute heater. This one's called Body Moves by Kaysen, featuring Aaliyah Solomon off Understated Records. Had you ever collaborated with like original vocalists like that before? <sighs> no, no. Well, okay. So not in that sense. No. Okay. I, so on, on my uh, get twisted release on weekend, I have a vocal sample from Somi, but mm-hmm. it's not, but that's just a, a vocal sample. It was just, it was just like a, you know, whatever, as far as like a singing vocal, like, you know, like actually that was the first time. Dude, so cool. What was the yeah. collaboration process there? I know sometimes somebody will have an acapella ready. Sometimes a producer will have a work in progress. What was the timeline like, like that for that release? We just, I made the track and then it was just, I got connected to her through a mutual friend and mm-hmm. just kind of said, you know, see if she wanted to do something on it and yeah. kind of just left it open-ended and that's what she came back with. And I was just really stoked with the result. I mean, I didn't even really have to mess. Like there wasn't any kind of pitch correction or anything. It just sounded really good right off the bat. Wow. And if, yeah, she's, she's, she's very talented and it flowed really well. And that body moves is definitely one of my favorite tracks I've ever made. And I'm really, really happy with it. And it, it goes off when I play it and it's, it's different too. Like it, it feels, it stands out, which is kind of like why I like it so much. I feel like Mm -hmm. it's very different than other things. Mm -hmm. And yet again, it was cool to release on understated because they're a great team and they kind of like to release stuff that's a little bit different. So Mm -hmm. I was really happy with it. I'm really stoked on that one. 
really, really cool track, man. Very creative. And it's cool to see collaborating with vocalists like that too. I think, you know, that's, that's the thing that makes house music so unique is a singer can do so much over a track like that, whether it be mm-hmm. more left field or more traditional. And yeah, you, you gave her, you gave her an awesome, awesome track to work with there, bro. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. That's like still probably in my top three of my tracks that I've ever made. Like as far as just what I like and like what I'm happiest with, mm-hmm. that's definitely up there. I would say. For sure. And you just mentioned get twisted groove on display and believe CP. <laughs> bro. Yeah. They're <laughs> dope. The fuck you brought up weekend. That, that is a track. Well, you know, we got to check this one out. It's called Weekend, featuring Somi of Kaysen's Groove on Display EP by Get Twisted. fucking track man like both eps so special and again like we hear this one was released in 2020 right so you've got a few reputable label releases out but clearly your sound is stepping up did you feel different in the studio like could you kind of tell i'm i'm getting a better knowledge of like the actual sound design process like mixing mastering everything Absolutely. I would say like, even though between 2019 and 2020 is one year, I would Mm -hmm. say the tracks I released in 2020 are a pretty major step up, I would say as far as just like quality and just, you know, arrangement and sound design and everything. Yeah. Just because I mean, I, I were, you know, I produce seven days a week. I, I, (laughs) I go really hard in the studio and I know I don't release a ton of music, but I'm always working at it and I'm always trying to get better and stuff like that. So I feel like that's really kind of showed itself in my 2020 releases. Mm-hmm. And it's definitely going to show myself in my next couple releases as well, for sure. So yeah, I mean, get twisted is an awesome label. I'm really good friends with the tough love guys. They're really awesome. Um, they've been, you know, big supporters and, you know, really liked my music from day one. So yeah, it was really awesome for them to sign two EPs. I definitely want to release with them again. Cause it was, it's, it was a great experience. Yeah. I've only heard great things about their label, man. They're right. awesome. Good and the label's super cool. cool. Like get twisted releases some killer tracks. I mean, I think Susan's released with them. A bunch of yeah. friends have released with them and mm-hmm. it's always quality, quality stuff. Always quality stuff. Yeah. yeah. And it's just cool. Cause it, I just, I don't know when I first put on some of those songs, I was like, man, eh. I, I I know something's happening. He was working in the studio. He felt something, a little bit of magic happened. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely, I definitely feel like my music, you can see where I took the steps up in terms of like, and not to like toot my own horn or anything like that, but like, sure. I definitely feel like, and it's tricky because like as a musician, you know, as somebody who's always learning and always trying to get better and always, you know, watching tutorials and trying to improve, yep. it's great. Cause you're always getting better. But the tricky part is, is that sometimes the difficulty is that it's easy to look at tracks that you released, you know, six months or a year ago. And you're kind of like, yeah, uh, cause you're kind of like, you know, a little bit, I know 
you know, I could have done this better. I could have done that better. Yeah. But the one thing I will say is tracks from the beginning of 2020 till now, I play all of my music released from 2020 till now. And mm-hmm. I'm really happy with everything I've released. I think obviously yet again, I think I'm better than I was then, but everything I've released from early 2020 till now, I'm very, very satisfied with. Definitely. And I have a lot of people that uh, aren't necessarily DJs and producers or in the, the back end of the music industry. And one thing that they always seem to be surprised by is how sometimes how long it takes to get a track released on a label, right? So the track you, I mean, I know the most recent remix you did in a pretty short turnaround, but sometimes you can make a track a year ago and it just yeah. get released. And where you're at as a producer a year ago and now is like, I mean, what you just said, it could be yeah. worlds different. It's, it's very difficult and it's, you know, I, when I was younger, I used to not be the most patient person. I would say I was just very impatient as far as, you know, when, especially when you're younger and you're just a kid, but I would say like, you know, as you get older, you get more patient, but you know, being in the music industry has definitely taught me patience. Like nothing else could, I would say, you know, having to wait for releases and stuff. And when I first got started, it, you know, it killed me having to like, you know, wait for a label to release it. Nowadays it still sucks, but I definitely am, I'm more okay with it and I'm more accepting with, of it, especially working at a label too. It's like you, yeah. there's a lot that goes into it and there's a lot of moving parts. So yeah, definitely being in the music industry, no matter what, what, you know, area of the music industry you're in, you have to be patient and you have to be able to wait and you have to love the music that you make enough that mm-hmm. you're okay with it being released a year from now. Cause it's like, if you're not going to love it a year from now, then you probably shouldn't release it. Wow, that is some genuine advice right there, ladies and gentlemen. Clip that shit. Woo! <laughs> Patience is a virtue. Absolutely. A hundred percent. I couldn't agree more, man. I couldn't agree more. Now, it's time to get in some of the meat and potatoes here, man. Some of your best music. Your South of Saturn Repopulate Mars releases. Um, just absolutely incredible tracks. Uh, the Will Taylor, The Way, the Casey and John Summit remix. Y'all got to peep this one with me right now. This one's Will Taylor, The Way in the John Summit and Kaysen remix off South of Saturn. You always jump right in Saying and thinking that this is love Far from me, far from anything i just need to hear the door-to-door on this bro because this is a special special remix and it, it's really cool because you're someone who really does something unique with remixes and in in the house and particularly tech house space sometimes you hear a lot of the same and listening right. to the original and then release and then listening to your guys remix it's you guys you know it's, yeah, it's not totally just like different. a little it's not a bootleg it's not an edit like it's totally different a total flip yeah for yeah. sure. Yeah. That remix obviously is definitely my most successful track to date. For sure. Um, and yeah, it was cool. It was just, you know, so we were, we signed this Will Taylor release, these three really, really sick, like, you know, kind of more minimal tech kind of tracks. Yeah. Will Taylor's awesome. I'm really, I'm a big fan of his. He's a great mm-hmm. guy. And John is a good friend of mine. And we were talking about getting in the studio to make a track. And then it just kind of came along and Lee was like, Oh, we really need a remix for this. And I was like, well, me and John are about to make a track. So why don't we just remix it together? He's like, yeah, that sounds great. (laughs) And 
we made the remix and working with John was obviously a ton of fun. He's a good friend. It was really great working with him and learning from him as well. And yeah. it ended up, you know, it went really, really well. And obviously, you know, it's my most successful track and it was cool. Cause you know, we made it and it got released during COVID, you know, during quarantine. Right. So I, I got to play it one time before quarantine one time at, at a club in orange county focus mm-hmm. and it was great it, w- it went off it was awesome but yeah it was it sucked because when it was truly released it's like i wasn't able to play it at all yeah. so when i was able to actually play it for in the club for the first time like five months ago i would Ooh. say it felt even though the track was almost a year old at that point it was like <laughs> i was like okay like yeah we we did something here and like it's yeah. it's still awesome because i play that track you know almost every set and it gets an insane reaction so i'm very proud of that track and you know it's a really cool one yeah absolutely man and, and it's just cool because you know we'll get into south and saturn and repopulate mars but it's just it's it's really cool to see a platform created for a unique sound like that yeah still, again to still not be boxed in and it just is so cool like again what you did as a remixer and i think remixing some people have different opinions of it, you know? I know a lot of producers that you can't remix this track, like you can't touch the original. And then there are other guys that are like, no, I love remixes, like put your spin on it and shit. But totally. it's like a, it, it like, it's almost like a pop culture thing, you know? It's like sometimes the remix gets bigger than the original. And yeah. I, I, that's, I don't know, that kind of must be kind of strange for some people, but at the same time, for sure, like any publicity is good publicity. And if you put a great spin on it, then it's just putting a little bit more, of a cherry on top of a beautiful, beautiful piece of art. That's how for I sure. look at it. For sure. Yeah. I really enjoy doing remixes. I mean, uh, there's always, you know, as we kind of said, especially in the tech house scene, I do see a lot of people remixing tracks and it's like just two versions of the same track. And exactly. It's like, not to call anybody out or anything. Everybody's entitled, you know, they can do whatever they want, but yeah. it's kind of, it's kind of silly, I think. So it's like, I feel like if you're going to remix a track, you should really, really make it different and really, you know, try to bring something different to the table yep. for, it, for it to work. So I've, I really, I mean, I've done quite a few remixes and I really enjoy them. I really enjoy having stuff already there and then trying to like listen to the original and flip it. Mm-hmm. I enjoy doing remixes, which is why I've done quite a few of them. I, I really like doing them. Yeah, for sure. I mean, outside of, outside of some of your other tracks we talked about before, your Roger, the Roger That Penetrate Tough Love and Cajun remix. Again, dude, just <laughs> fuck. Like, yeah massive repopulate release and and once again you're just achieving another level of sound and at this point you had been AR for repopulate for a while like I, I the song aside what did this mean to you as, as just a contributor of the label now releasing on the label it felt really good and it was definitely a long time coming i would say i always knew that i wanted my first release on the label to be the right one i don't want to just i don't want to release on the label just because I work at the label. You know I what I mean? I knew you're like, going to be your own harshest critic. You answered my question. <laughs> yeah. And like, I wanted it to, I wanted it to be right. And, you know, it was just, it just worked out, you know, yet again, me and Tough Love were talking about collabing and yeah. one thing led to another and we collabed on this remix and obviously they're extremely talented guys. Mm-hmm. So making that remix with them was awesome. And that track penetrate Roger, that is, I mean, I love that track. We, we actually signed that a while before it was released mm-hmm. and Roger, that's very talented. So for to be able to remix that track when I really loved the original was, was awesome. So yeah. yeah, that was a really, really cool one. I was really happy with how that went down. And that's another one that when I play it, it's awesome. It snaps, bro. Yeah. yeah. It, like 
I don't know. It's just the sound design is just so fucking dope on it, man. Yeah. It was a less is more approach. And I think that's a, a cool thing about what you do with, with house music. For sure. For sure. No, I appreciate that. It, it's a good one. It has very like a kind of a spacey vibe, but it's cool. Yeah. Spacey. A Mars vibe. Yeah. Oh yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> now we got to chat about this one real quick. Your most recent release. Um, Eyes Everywhere and Dread MC. Tell them the case and remix on Rock Bottom Records. All right, you guys got to hear this one before we talk about it. This one's called Tell Them by Eyes Everywhere, featuring Dread MC in the Case and Remix off Rock Bottom Records. story bro like dj susan dropped this at peak hour on a sunday night at number nine at prism in chicago like the most popping spot to be for house right. across the whole city and i looked at him and i was like what is this and he goes <laughs> yeah. and i'm like dude and i think i listen i was listening to this song i was like oh yeah I'm, this is jamming and then in the in the second drop you have this i hear the sirens you know i'm in chicago yeah. Uh, the, in the second drop, you have this just like really subtle, just like synth stab. I can't, I can't, I'm trying to remember off the top of my head, but it's just so simple. And I'm just like, oh, oh, just that little bit, that little extra 10%, Nick. I was like, God damn. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. You know that, talking about. that remix that I, I just released like less than a week ago at this point, it was yeah. Yeah, pretty recently. Yeah. Uh, I'm really, really happy with that. Definitely. I like, I turned down a lot of remixes this year because I was really focusing, wanted to focus on, you know, my productions and my collabs and everything that I have coming out and I'm working on. So I turned down quite a few remixes, but then eyes everywhere. These guys, we, I'm good friends with them. We actually have two tracks that we have coming out and they're awesome. And they asked me, they're like, Hey, you know, I don't know if you want to do this remix and the dread MC vocals are so sick. So when I heard that, when I heard the vocals and like the synth stabs and stuff that they put in there, I was like, I have to remix this. Yeah, I have to. I, I can't say no. Dread MC is obviously a legend and stuff. So working with his yeah. vocals was super sick. Yeah, it's an awesome track, man. Well done. And it's just like running again, running through all your music and getting to this point with it. It's, it's clear how much effort you've put in. Like you don't have to release a ghetto blaster amount of music. Like fucking love those guys. And they've been in the game for a long time. They just pump out tracks. When I yeah. see a producer like you who like takes her time with the process. The releases are, are very well like manicured. Like this one just speaks volumes about how far you've come, man. So congratulations to you. I appreciate that. Yeah. I'm, I'm really happy with it. And it was well received and yeah, it's good. I'm, I have two gigs this weekend and I'm extremely stoked to play it out and see how it goes. I think it'll go well, but you know, I, I'm stoked You're for gonna it. You're going to do the same face I did. Like this shit fucking stinks. Who is this Shazam my own track? <laughs> oh Yeah. <laughs> Oh, wait, that's me. That's either the best publicity stunt or the cockiest thing I've ever heard. I'm not sure. You Shazam it? <laughs> this is me. <laughs> wow. Maybe I'll crazy. do it. I'll send you a video just for you. Dude, that's G. That's some G shit, honestly. <laughs> oh, I love that. 
Amazing, dude. Amazing. So we, we brought it up a few times before uh, your relationship with Repopulate Mars and South of Saturn, um, your A&R. And before we kind of get into the label, I think a lot of people know the word or the term A&R. Can you maybe give us like the, the SparkNotes definition on what your role is and what you do on a day-to-day basis? Yeah, for sure. So at ANR, I mean, yet again, it depends on, you know, who you ask and what label everybody has their own kind of, you know, jobs for it. But sure. for me, it's like, I would say I'm the link between the artist and the label. Okay. So, so for, you know, when it comes to, when it comes to releases, I'm the link. So gotcha. my day to day, I listen to all the demos, all the demos that we get in the demo box. So Jeez. I go to, I listen to all of them. I'm um, so many we get hundreds a day really literally jesus it's it's insane it's insane it's crazy how much we get so i listen to all the demos from the demo box and then all the demos that i get sent separately through artists that we've signed or artists that i know friends mm-hmm. and then you know i kind of filter through that and then i pick the best ones and i kind of give those to lee and then he listens and then we kind of chat and then it goes from there so i do that but then besides that i also am the link to the label throughout the process so when we sign a track i'm like the link you know kind of you know talking about timeline and about you know social media and marketing i kind of like in the bridge between the two awesome. you know to kind of like you know link everything together love it yeah i appreciate sure. the breakdown i think everybody's kind of heard the term a and r and right kind of a loose definition in this day and age like it is absolutely there's a and r's for agencies there's a and r's for festivals there's a and r's for labels like there's a and r's for a and r's right right and what does it really mean i think yeah it definitely means it's something different for every label but for me it's like the demos and then the personal relationships you know linking people to you know form the releases and then if the demos don't don't work out kind of helping them to you know get there on their next one and stuff like that, giving feedback and doing all that. Yeah, for sure. That That's awesome, man. And I think you're the Merriam-Webster definition of it, honestly. Like there's no loose definition of what you're doing. And I appreciate it. Mad respect, bro, because I mean, it's just been so cool to see that label grow. Obviously, like I'm in Chicago. I've been here for six six years now. Uh, and, and Lee is a, a totem in, in house here, bro. You know, and like yeah. he's been doing it. Uh, repopulate launched in 2016 south of saturn in 2019 and i just want to read this quote about how he described the difference between the labels and i don't know if you've heard this before but it, it makes a lot of sense to me for those that aren't familiar with the label if you're not please go fucking check it out right now what are you doing <laughs> <laughs> but he said mars is considered uninhabitable but saturn is not saturn is a dissonant place that some consider evil south of saturn features a raw sound little less polished and a little more experimental and i was like God damn, bro. Write a book. That was good. Yeah, that sounds about right. That sounds about right. I would say definitely South of Saturn. We're able to sign things that are a little bit weirder and a little bit more left field, Mm -hmm. uh, a little bit different. And that's not always, it's not a total rule. It's not like, oh, you need to send us weird stuff for South of Saturn. Cause that's not the true, that's not the case with every release, but I think we're willing to experiment a little bit more with South of Saturn than we are with Repopulate Mars, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. and it's cool being able to, you know, sign twice the amount of music and be able to sign more music and turn down less music. So have, yeah. being able to have both labels is, has been, honestly, it's been really great because we turn down a lot of music, but being able to turn down a lot less music and be able to like sign people on different labels has is, is been great. It's been for awesome. Sure. For sure. And, and it's, it's great to see what Lee's done. Obviously he, he started Repopulate because they were getting so many demos on uh, him and Jamie Jones level. Yeah. Hot creations, right? Yeah. Hot creations. When did you get involved with Repopulate then? 
I got involved, I think it was 2017. Okay. So slowly after, shortly after the uh, the start of the label, I, so I actually played on Groove Cruise. Are you familiar? Groove Cruise? Yeah. I, I just interviewed Jason, bro. The yeah. CEO and founder. Yes. Great guy. Great guy. Great guy. Yeah. So I actually played on Groove Cruise in 2017 and yeah. I was like the smallest support act, you know, <laughs> on the lineup. And he was a headliner. Little tiny name. <laughs> like if you look at it's a huge difference in font. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> so I was there and I had met, I had met Lee one time before actually on a previous Groove Cruise. Cause I'd been on Groove Cruise once as just like a fan or whatever. And I'd yeah. met Lee and we just hung out. Yeah. And then on the next Groove Cruise, we actually hung out, you know, and like, we're really kind of spending a lot of time together, like, you know, bouncing around the different stages. Yeah. He came to my set, which was super nerve wracking. <laughs> cause I, especially cause I played the smallest stage and there wasn't that many, like probably 50 people there, which it was, it was fun. I had a great time, but it was vibe, like, yeah. But he like showed up and it was just funny because like he pulled up with me and everybody's like looking like, oh, is that Lee Foss? I'm like, All right. like <laughs> looking over at Lee. I'm like, I'm DJing. Yeah. But no, it was cool. Then he like came to my set and we just like chilled, partied, you know, hung out all weekend. And then towards the end of the weekend, he was like, hey, like, you know, I don't know if you're interested, but like I could definitely use some help, you know, running this new label I started, uh, Repopulate Mars. Would you be interested? I'm like, absolutely. Because at the time I was like, I'm DJing and producing, but you know, I'm, I'm still, obviously still have a job and I was looking for a new job. So I was like, I'm super down. I mean, you know how it is though, when you talk to people, when you're partying and stuff, a lot of people make promises and say stuff that doesn't actually pan out. I mean, that oh, happens I a it. lot. Don't so I. I kind of, to be honest with you, I took it with a grain of salt. I was like, eh, we'll see. So we get back to LA. I called them and I was like, you know, is it, was that real? He was like, absolutely. That's real. Like come over next week and like, let's get started. And wow. That's how it went. Amazing. So basically, yeah. Since inception, I mean, at least to say, since he needed the extra help. Yeah, yeah. I think I got on at like the 20-something release. So I've been on board almost since the beginning, but not yeah. the to not the actual beginning, yeah. That's so cool, man. And that's such a Groove Crew story too. Like, honestly, I-, I 100%. They're so about the community there and people making connections. And dude, to bring it full circle, it's like we talked about earlier. It's like people in the house music community, no one, no one's untouchable. Everyone's reachable. Collaboration- 100%. And- you've obviously been instrumental in helping it grow by helping select the tracks that make it through to him. Yeah, no, it's been great. Like, you know, working at the label, it's just, it's been awesome. It's like not only working at the label, cause I really enjoy the job and I, you know, really enjoy what I do, mm -hmm. but it's just like being able to all the relationships and connections I've made just working at the label has just been incredible for me. And it's just, I've learned a lot, you know, not just about making music, but more so about the music industry and, you know, on whole, oh, yeah and learned like a lot of things about what people are doing right and people are doing wrong. Right. And I think that's made me well-equipped for, you know, as I get bigger as like a producer and as a DJ, I think I'm well-equipped, you know, to like be able to handle the different things that might be thrown at me. Mm -hmm. Whereas some people kind of blow up and they don't really know the music industry very well. And like, that's a recipe for you to get worked, I guess, or get screwed, yeah. which is unfortunate. You know, I don't want anybody to get worked, but yeah. unfortunately, you know, the music industry, as great as it is, it can be a cutthroat place. So yeah, I think it's taught me a lot about the industry and, you know, been able to give me the right tools to mm -hmm. hopefully, you know, succeed at this one day. Absolutely. And I think you For and sure. I both know how important it is to understand the business side of the music industry, which is unfortunately something that a lot of artists either A, never learn, B, never get exposed to, or C, ignore. And that ends up being their downfall. And it, it's it's the truth of the matter and we live in an adapt or die industry and it's good, 100%. To, see you, it's good to see you taking the the approach where you want to get involved dude you know what i mean like that's that's how you learn the industry you get involved 
A hundred percent, especially so, like, you know, the, the best, you know, you can learn stuff in school and stuff like that, but especially when it comes to the music industry, you know, really getting in there and meeting people and talking to people, especially in the music industry is, mm-hmm. is huge and making those connections. That's probably where you're going to learn the most. I would even venture to say more than, you know, school in a lot of ways, you know, you'll learn just from kind of getting out there. Definitely, man. Has, yeah. has there been any unforeseen obstacles? I'm sure there have over the past couple of years. And like, what are some things that you guys are like, I didn't expect this to happen. We got to figure a way out. At the label? Yeah, at the label, like as you've continued to grow. Because it's, um, it's skyrocketed. Yeah, I would say just as we get bigger, just being able to like, you know, manage as releases get bigger and we're releasing music from bigger artists, like being able to like, you know, manage expectations and being able to like, you know, make sure everybody's happy. Mm-hmm. And as our events get bigger, that's definitely been a huge learning process for like, you know, as we throw bigger events, you know, with at bigger venues, there's a lot more that goes into it. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know, just as you get bigger, especially with like stuff like, you know, with sample clearing and stuff like that mm-hmm. and kind of legal stuff behind the scenes, it's been, it's been a lot of learning, you know, I've spent a lot of times, you know, Googling stuff and learning about stuff that I didn't know about. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely been, we've been learning as we go in a lot of cases. And luckily we have a, our label manager, Leon is, he's also the label manager of Hot Creations. And yeah, I've heard great things about him. He's a great guy and he knows a lot. I mean, he's been doing it for a long time. So he's well equipped to, to like, you know, help us out with different things, but yeah, just learning as we go and stuff. And definitely there's been a learning curve with different things, but it's been great, you know, and it's, it's awesome. Like all these different things and all these lessons I've learned. I know regardless of what I'm doing 10, 15 years from now in the music industry, I know that those lessons I'm going to take with me for sure. Yeah. And I think it's so cool to see someone like Lee and Leon have success by doing something other than just DJing. And I think that that's something that's so important to understand is becoming a successful artist isn't just being a worldwide touring act. In fact, I don't know, we've seen so many people, you could do the classic Avicii example, right? Like there, there is a timeline or an expiration date on how much you can tour and how much you can continue to balance music and the brand and everything else. And there are other ways to make music or make money in the music industry and contribute to the music economy. That's something I think about a lot too. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And it's like, I think where I'm at right now is good because I kind of get that creative outlet, you know, through my case in project, but then also I kind of get like, you know, the marketing and the management aspect through Repopulate Mars. So I kind of, those are kind of the both, you know, like left brain, right brain kind of thing. So I feel like I kind of get both of those outlets through my different, my two different jobs. Yeah. And it's been pretty great. And that obviously the end goal, obviously I want to, you know, be well, you know, well-known producer and release, you know, music that does really well. But Mm -hmm. the way I look at it is if 10 years from now, I'm still kind of doing both, you know, working behind the scenes and whatever, I'm totally cool with that. And I think that's probably a sustainable path because I I don't know, like, you know, especially being a DJ and being a producer, it's like, it's like a wave. Like, even if you're really, really well-known, you're going to be big and then you're not going to be as big. You're going to be big. You're not going to be as big. So if you also, you know, have, you know, you own a label or you own a management company or you do this, then you'll kind of be, be able to balance out those kind of hills and valleys yeah. better. Whereas if you're just an artist, there's nothing wrong with that, but there's going to be times where things will be get, get difficult, no matter how talented you are. Yep. So true. So true. Cause there's always the next big thing and it's, it's all about consistency. Now I have so many people that watch the show that are DJs and producers and um, being the head of A&R at a very reputable house label, you've given opportunities to well-known and upcoming artists, people like John Summit, Night Funk, big artists like Shiba San, Solardo, 
other guys like DJ Susan, Sid and Weston, Kyle Walker, most recently King Topher. And, you know, there's really, it's like, that's, that's a little bit of everyone. And yeah. I guess like what I want to ask you is what do you look for in a demo? And do you really even give a shit how big they are? We don't really give a shit how big they are. No, yes, love that. We don't like, obviously I'd be lying if, you know, obviously you think about that. It's, it's something that you definitely think about when you're like, obviously, you know, if they have a base, the you know, you know that things are going to do better, but in the end, we don't give a shit. Mm -hmm. We've released music from people who are really small, even though we know they might not do as well because they don't have as big of a base, but at the end of the day, releasing quality music is number one. Yeah. And that's my number one priority. And I know that's Lee's number one priority. So that's why if you look at our releases and you looked at who we've signed, we've signed huge artists and we've also signed artists that you probably never heard of. A hundred percent. So yeah, I, I think at the end of the day, you know, something that's unique and, you know, does something different, well-polished. I mean, that's a hundred times more important than you being a well-known name in the music industry. Way more important. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. What are you looking for then when you're listening to new demos then? Is it something that really just sparks your ear or what, what's something maybe recently that you've signed that said, this is different. I like this. Yeah. Just something that catches the ear, something that it's tricky. Cause it's like something that we would release that has the Repopulate Mars South of Saturn sound, but something that does something different. You know what I mean? Because sometimes people will send us demos and it's clear that they're trying too hard to be like some of the other artists that we've released, uh, uh -huh. you know, like the John summits or the, this sure. or the, that. Yeah. And it just comes off as really inauthentic. Yeah. But on the other end, we'll get some demos that are like, okay, this is a sick track, but like, you know, this, I don't really know how much you listen to our catalog because this is just, you know, <laughs> not something we would release. Yeah. <laughs> so I think there's like a kind of a fine line between the two, Yeah. you know, definitely listen to a labels catalog before you, send something so you mm -hmm. kind of know but you gotta you gotta be unique you know we're looking for something that's unique that does something different it's like yep. if you're gonna i don't know like for example like the whole party tech sound with the big synths on the drop we kind of got away from that when it was kind of blowing up just because yeah. we felt like it was kind of being overused and kind of over overdone a little bit totally and it's kind of like we're still down for that sound but it has to be unique it has to be different like what 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 new does it bring to the table so yeah. I'd say uniqueness and polish, like something polished that's unique is number one. Yeah, for sure. That's the most important. And that's the number one thing I'm looking for. And I know that's the number one thing that Lee's looking for is unique, polished, something that's going to do well in the club, but also stuff that is going to sound good in the car and at home and that mm -hmm. you can stream and just, you know, chill to. I like that. And I think that's the really cool thing about Repopulate. You know, I've, I've interviewed so many different label owners and I love asking that question because in one way or another, everybody cares the most about the music, which is why I'm, I have those people on the podcast. They're, they're contributing to the music community. They're right, trying to make right, an right. impact. And I, I think, you know, that's, that's how you guys feel about it too. But what you guys do is you tiptoe that line. I mean, look, dude, your remix was summit that was released during the pandemic. That shit racked up over a hundred thousand motherfucking plays when there were no shows going on, bro. You know yeah. what I mean? So like that speaks numbers about the label but also you have massive tracks from the likes of like Shiba San that absolutely blast a crowd. Yeah. You know what I mean? Next level, next level, next level. And I think that's so cool and difficult at the same time. But again, what makes you guys special is being able to tip that yeah, tiptoe that line between streamable and playable. For sure. For sure. And it's, that's very important, especially in, you know, today's age. It's like, if you have a club, if you have a track that's too club focused and it's right. like, 
that's, you know, it's going to go off in the club, but it might not be the best to listen to at home. Mm -hmm. But then if you have some stuff that's a little bit too cookie cutter and it's, it streams great and it's really whatever, but then in the club, it's not, you know, whatever. And there's no right or wrong, you know, answer to music, you know, everybody can do whatever they want, but being able to tiptoe the bounce between the two is something that we try to do. And I think as an artist, it's something that's really important. If you want to be successful, it's like, especially as somebody who makes tech house, you know, you got to make stuff that's going to pop off in the club, but you also need to think, is this going to pop off in somebody's, you know, Acura when they're driving to work at 7 a.m.? Because it needs to pop off in both things for you to gain fans and for the tracks to do well. It does need to pop off in somebody's Acura with a busted subwoofer and the Uber. 100%. And the Uber drive. You're in the Uber for way too long. I Dude, I was in an Uber recently. This guy, I, it just keeps coming out, you know, like because I, I need to change my lift picture because it's like my like press shot. And they're like, so like, are you, are you in the creative field? I'm like, uh, yeah, I'm a DJ, you know? And then like, eventually they keep asking me questions. Cause so many Uber drivers these days are like creatives trying to make a name for themselves. Uh Yeah. Like, Oh, so you have a podcast. Cool. Like, let me show you my music. And I got in this guy's Uber and it was like, it was supposed to be 10 minute rides. It was 45 minutes. He showed me all of his tracks and he had a busted subwoofer in the back. And I was was like, bro, like, how do you not hear that? And you like want to be nice. You don't want I'm to, trying to be like, so nice. Yeah. yeah. He's like, all right, I'm a message. He's like, I'll come on your podcast, bro. No problem. I'm like, yeah, for sure. I, it's so hard to be nice. Like, I know you probably have to say no to even yeah. a lot of friends and stuff too. Right. Like, listen, I just, it's not the right fit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. Especially being like an A&R and stuff, like being able to like, you know, learning how to say no and be able to like turn people. It sucks. Like it's still, it always kind of yeah. hurts me when I have to do it, but I have to do it a lot and I have to do it to even people who I'm good friends with. But yeah. at the end of the day, when you're a musician and like when you make, when you're making music, no matter how good you are, no matter how talented you are, you are always going to have people saying no, always. You're always going to get demos turned down. There's always going to be people who reject you, who don't like your music, people who say, you know, a hundred people vibe with your set, but then 10 don't it's, it's inevitable. You can't make everybody happy. So mm-hmm. you just got to be happy with the stuff you make and you got to be happy with yourself. And yep. if somebody say no, you know, just keep it going, keep it moving. How many stories have we heard where you get 99 no's and one yes, just keep pursuing and make sure you love what you do. A hundred percent. I mean, and there's so many artists that have released on Repopulator South of Saturn that we've legitimately turned down 20 times or more. And wow. then they finally sent us the track that was right. Wow. And it, and it happens like, I, so I just recently got, I got a track signed like three or four days ago to sink or swim. Nice. Congrats. Which I'm super stoked on comes out in November. Whoop. Really excited. But here's the thing. They've turned down six of my demos <laughs> over the last year. They have, they have six of my demos and it could, you know, and it hurts when you get your demos turned down and it can be discouraging, but you just got to keep it moving. You got to keep it rolling because when the track's right, the track's going to be right. And so you know, it happens. It happens to everybody, no matter how talented you are. So true. I love yeah. that. Persistence, my man. Polite persistence too. A hundred, polite persistence is number one. A lot of, some people try to, you know, when you turn down their demo, they come off very. Oh yeah. That's not the way you go about it. It's, 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 it's kind of cringy to watch. Cause it's like, this is, this is not right. You, you know, it's hard. Everybody gets, no, everybody gets rejections and you got to just, you know, keep rolling and, you know, say, thank you. You know, we'll try better. And it, it, it you know, people notice that and people notice how you react to things. And if you're, if you're polite and you're cool about it, they're going to be more down to keep listening and keep working with you. Totally. Absolutely. And a response is a win in my opinion too. Totally. Totally. And there's like a lot of labels that you won't get. I've gotten plenty of situations where, you know, 
And I, we try to respond to everything. I mean, I, you know, there are demos that we miss, but generally speaking, we try to respond to everything that we get more or less. And we get a lot of people who say like, Oh, thanks for replying. Like, I'm pretty surprised you reply. And it's like, there are a lot, and not even to like, you know, call out any labels, but there are a lot of labels who just don't respond because it's happened to me. So I know that for a fact. So oh, we yeah. do our best to respond to everybody, everybody, even if it's a no, we do our best. For sure. No, and I, I, I speak on behalf of any producer that sends demos to a reputable label, like any response is a win. Cause then a total win. Usually they respond and it's like someone like you, it's like sign Nick. And it's like, Hey Nick, like, thank you so much. Like, I appreciate it. Any feedback, blah, 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 whatever. And then all of a sudden right. years later, like you said, 20 demos, Nick, this is the one. And you're like, this is the one let's yeah. fucking go. Totally. Totally. I mean, even Susan, he sent us probably, oh my I would say up to 10 demos before the direction and before For direction sure. and body. Right. And yeah, he kept at it and he kept going and now we got direction and body. Right. And those are, in my opinion, two of the sickest tracks we've released. So absolutely. So sick, man. So sick. yeah. Now I want to, I know I only have a few minutes left. I want to ask you a question that I've been asking a lot of, uh, more people our age in the house music industry, but have a really good appreciation of where it's at right now. I don't think it's it's any surprise or shock to you or I uh, that house music is is really hitting a, a commercial level where festivals are mostly house music. You don't see so much yeah. bass and dubstep and, and mainstream. And you see artists like David Guetta having a Jack Back alter ego. You see right. also releasing Tech House, Calvin Harris doing Love Regenerator, right? right. And a lot of times those guys, they started off loving house music, right? But you have to contribute and, well, you have to actually kind of maybe follow this mainstream thing that they did. And now they're coming back to the house. I guess my general question for you, Nick, is do you think this is a good thing right now for the up and comers? Or is it saying, shit, everybody's in the house music lane now. It's more competitive than ever. I think it's a good thing because I think competition drives people to make the best product. Mm -hmm. I think competition is a good thing. I think when there's more people at it, everybody, you know, the, the product gets better and the, the actual, you know, the music gets better and things, you know, kind of people push boundaries a little bit more when there's more people at it. Mm -hmm. So I think it's a good thing. I think it's a good thing overall. Yeah. And, you know, some people, a lot of people want to be like, oh, the tech house bubble is going to pop. And I don't really see it that way because, you know, tech house is not something that's new. It's been around since I think the eighties. So yeah, dude, Chicago I, I don't, started in the eighties. Yeah. Exactly. And I don't see it as like a, a, a bubble that's going to pop like you might have, you know, some, you know, certain genres of electronic music have. I think it's going to adapt. I think things that are popular now might not be as popular in 10 years. And we look at Tech House 10 years ago, it's mm -hmm. totally different than it is now. I think it's always going to adapt, but I don't see it popping. And I think it's a good thing. I mean, some people don't like it when these some of these bigger guys get into it, yeah. but I like it. I like it. I like it as long as they kind of pay homage to the roots and they, yep. and they're willing to help lift up the smaller artists and they're willing to kind of, you know, put in the work as long as they're not just trying to like sell it out and just trying to make it all about them. If they're trying to like, you know, contribute to the culture, then I'm all about it. Even if it is somebody like a David Guetta or a Calvin Harris, like as long as they're contributing to the culture and trying to lift other people up, then I'm all for it. I couldn't agree more. And I think they are contributing to the culture because, you know, I remember getting into the, the EDM world call it in 2011, right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and um, you, you know, you see people that are growing as artists and then all of a sudden Afrojack plays their track on the main stage of Tomorrowland and then their career catapults, right? Exactly. Now that's just been given to house music artists. Tiesto might play your fucking track. Like that's huge. And I agree. Massive. 
we just we we encounter a lot of techno and house elitists like this is our industry don't come into it gatekeeping right? <laughs> gatekeeping exactly. i hate it i, I hate, hate it. it we hate it and i think too the reason it's become so big is our generation we still love the music so much but we can't jump like we used to but we still can dance like we used to and that's 100 100 yeah the gatekeeping is always so silly because it's like i don't know not to sound corny but it's like music is the universal language yeah it's, it's something that everybody can understand and it's something that's across the world and it's worldwide so i think gatekeeping and trying to push people out of certain scenes i think is so silly it's like yeah it's great and it can really kind of give people purpose and you can meet a lot of people through it, and i think it's awesome yeah i i completely agree with you man and i'm glad we're on the same page and honestly everybody's everybody's been on the same page big or small and i think that question and your answer speaks numbers about where we're at in the industry too just speaking from your experience and, and yeah. the circle you're surrounded in man yeah i appreciate it for sure bro it's it's hey listen collaboration over competition i can say it again and again yeah everybody can win you can lift people up. everybody it's, can win <laughs> somebody's success is not your failure and i know it's like you know sometimes you look at you know especially in the age of social media yeah. you see people getting a big booking or a big signing it's normal to feel a little bit of jealousy that's yeah, you're a yeah. human being like you can't you know whatever it's okay everybody gets it i get it everybody gets it i know it for a fact but I, I mean everybody can win and you know everybody can succeed and it's going to happen. It's going to happen for everybody if you keep at it in, in some form or another. So yeah. I love it. You know, I'd rather, I'd rather look at it as like a family than like as some competition where everybody's trying to one up each other. It doesn't have to be like that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, it just goes to show this is our first time really talking right now. And, and you, you know, you feel like a real friend to me, man. And it's just based upon Same. house music together. hundred percent. It brings people together. I mean, it's like the universal language. You meet so many people and it's like, you can connect with them over that so quickly. It's awesome, man. It's awesome. I love it. Amazing. This has been such a fun interview, Nick. Before you go, what can you tell us about what's coming up over the next few months? Yeah. So my next two releases, I have, I have a single coming out on Sid's label, Night Service Only. Oh, I know oh. you just, you just had him on, right? Yes, bro. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah. So I got a single coming on his label in mid-October. That one I'm super stoked on. This has been another one that I've been playing and it's just been insane. He only signs musical playing his live set. So this has yeah. got to be a heater. Yeah. It, it's, it, yeah. I don't want to like overhype it or anything, but it's, it's a heater and I'm really okay, stoked okay, on okay. it. <laughs> and then a month after that, I have a single coming out on sink or swim. Wow. So those will be two, probably, I mean, those will probably be my two biggest tracks, I would say, more or less. And then I have a bunch of really, really cool stuff coming out in early 2021 that I can't talk about yet, but for 22. now, those two. It's almost 2022. 2022. I don't even know what year it is. I feel like we're in, we're in like month 20 of 2020. I... <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like it's just been 100%. one long year. Dude, the summer didn't even happen. It was like, all of a sudden, it's summer. It's gung-ho. It's, it's too fast. Time just, they needs to, Yeah. It's like the noise you song. You don't realize you're in the moment total memory. Dude, God. It's so accurate. It's so true. You're spitting facts on that song. That track is so good. It's really good. I love it. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. That's going to be so sick. I'm excited to download those tracks and put them on the USB immediately because you're that yes. motherfucking producer, bro. Give them a rinse. Give them a rinse. I'll give, you, I'll give you a little preview. I'll send them over. I got you. It's the power of the podcast. <laughs> I'll give you the Sherm special. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Casey, this has been so much fun. I really appreciate you taking some time. I look forward to meeting you in person as soon as possible. And just keep doing what you're doing, man. You know, on behalf of the music community, what you're doing as an individual producer and your contribution with Repopulate Mars and South of Saturn, 
it means a lot. And I know you of know course. that, but I just wanted to remind you. Yeah, I appreciate it. It's been, this has been an amazing interview. Thanks for having me on. It's been great to kind of chat about all this. And yeah, I really appreciate it. It's been great. You're good at podcasting, bro. You're a very good speaker. Very well spoken. Thank you. This is actually my first long podcast that I've ever done. I've done like, short, like 15 minute ones. We're just taking a road trip, bro. You know, yeah. from, from Santa Monica to West Hollywood and during just chatting. Just chatting. <laughs> we're just caught in rush hour right now. I love it. I love it. Oh yeah, brother. Well, you have a good day. Enjoy your dinner. I'll talk to you soon. And for everybody that's listening all the way through, thanks so much for tuning in. Thanks, man.